This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12 today if you want to get your Bibles ready. But I, so I don't know if you guys know this, but we're in the middle of Hispanic Heritage Month, right? All right. And so I thought, hey, this is a good time to share with you the hardest thing I've had to deal with, this, this, this terrible thing I've had to endure being a Mexican-American, all right? It's, it's been, I've had to deal with this, the struggle my whole life. It's been hard. It weighs on me still to this day. And that thing is not knowing Spanish, <laughs> right? It's never too late. <laughs> it's never, you know, I've tried, I've taken Spanish junior high, high school, you know, college, and you know what? Uh, it's something I've had to endure, struggle with, people coming up to me, uh, you know, it's, they start speaking Spanish, and I'm just like, and they're like, oh, hablas, hablas uh, espanol? I'm like, un poco, right? I've had to say un poco too many times in my life, I'm tired of it. But, uh, you know, uh, so, but there's also this thing that, well, by the way, just to let you know, my, my great-grandparents spoke English, right? My, gra- my grandparents spoke English. My parents spoke English. And so when they're speaking English or Spanish in front of us, it was because they did not want us to know what they were talking about, <laughs> all right? So as kids, we learned, all right, this, this is adult talk, tune out, right? I learned the cuss words that way, though. But, <laughs> but uh, you know, I tuned it out. I didn't, and then... Uh, and one of the things I've had to do, deal with is, um, I was at a bilingual church for t- 11 years, right? And uh, having a translator who is a, a white guy who speaks Spanish better than me, that hurt. That hurt a little bit. Some wounds. Uh, another thing is, uh, you know, um, another thing I've had that's kind of funny is, then you get some people that say, oh, yeah, I'm bilingual, Right? Oh, I'm bi- you hear some people say they're bilingual, and then I hear them speak Spanish. I'm like, oh, no, you're not bilingual. I speak Spanish better than you. You're not bilingual. All right? But, uh, but, uh, there, but the thing with Spanish is there's, there's, like, levels of Spanish, right? You can have a basic understanding, maybe go buy a coffee or something or ask someone to wear the bat, donde esta el baño, right? But... But there's like levels to Spanish. So you can kind of know Spanish, maybe know some words, but, but not really know it. There's levels to knowing, right? Levels to knowing. You can have a, a kind of a head knowledge, you know some, some words, but in, when, when you're speaking a different language, especially there's this heart knowledge that comes to it, right? Where I know it, it comes out. I can express my feelings and, and I can, you know, I'm not trying to translate as I'm hearing words, right? So... I, I want to share with you guys a little bit wh- wh- why I share that story with in a minute here, but I want to give you a quick uh, kind of overview of what's been going on here before we get in this text. All right, this is the final week of Jesus's earthly ministry. He has uh, just rode into Jerusalem on the young donkey, right? This triumphal entry to the shouts of Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're putting palm branches uh, as he's riding into town, it's this big deal. And then and that same week, he goes in and he cleanses the temple. 
right? He overturns tables. He, he drives out the money changers out of the temple. How dare you turn this house of prayer into a den of robbers? And, and what that does is it, the, the religious leaders already want him dead, but it just amps up that, that hostility towards him even more. And they begin to, to uh, question his authority to his face. In this chapter, we already know that they want to arrest him, but they don't arrest him for fear of the crowds. He's, he's popular right now, uh, but they begin to question him. And last week, Jason shared with us kind of one of the, the first, this uh, public opposition that they have to him. And, and today we're going to see three more. And what they're trying to do is they're, they're attempting to catch, trap him in, the, in his words. They want to find a reason to kill him, right, to put him to death. And in this, and this is why I shared my story, Jesus identifies their problem in chapter 12, verse 24. You can even look at it, right? Jesus spoke to them and says, isn't this the reason why you're mistaken? You don't know the scriptures or the power of God, right? There's levels to knowing. Now, these, you got to remember who he's saying this to, right? He's telling the religious leaders who have access to the scriptures, more access than the common folks of that day, they didn't have an app or walk around with a, with a Bible like us, right? So they, they relied on the religious folks to, to mediate the scriptures to them. And, and so they have the scriptures. They know the scriptures. But Jesus is saying, you don't know it, right? And I think what, what's happening here is Jesus saying, hey, you have a, a head knowledge. Like, you know, the, you know what the scriptures say. You know the rules. You know the laws. And, and you're imposing them on everyone, but, but you don't know. Right? You don't know in your heart. You don't know the scriptures. You don't, and I think that the, what they don't know is they don't have a relationship with God. Right? They don't know God. They're not reading the scriptures in a, in a way to grow in, in love and desire and submission to God. They're, they're reading to, 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 you know, to rule, control, to keep everyone doing the rules, right? And, uh, and, and I, I think the reason why I can say that is they're not searching the scriptures to see if Jesus is the Messiah, right? Here's Jesus, the King, the Lord, the Messiah. He's done all these amazing miracles, and, and they, there's never once where they say, hey, Jesus, why don't we just sit down and let's do a little Bible study and see if you're saying you're the Messiah. Show me from the scriptures, right? They don't ever say that because they've already decided in, in their heart, no, he's not the one. He's not the Messiah. And therefore, I, I think when Jesus is saying they don't know the scriptures, they don't know God. They don't know the heart, the heart intent of the scriptures and see their need for God. And, and it says, and they don't seek God in scripture because they don't know the power of God. Think about all the amazing things Jesus is doing. He's walking on water. He's, he's casting out demons. He's, he's making the blind see and the lame walk and, and healing people of leprosy. He's doing all these amazing miracles and they don't know the power of God. They're missing it. It's right in front of their face. And, the, and because of that, they're also going to miss the power of God, right, and the cross and resurrection. So they're, they're just in a, in a bad place. They're in a bad place. They're not diligently searching scriptures to, to know God more. And so I, I want us to, that's kind of one of the things I, I want us to be careful of, maybe even uh, heed that warning of these religious guys, right? Because the, these guys are, would be more akin to us. Right, the people who have the scriptures, the people that are, are trying to serve God or trying to do the right thing. And so they have this head knowledge, but not a, a, a really a heart knowledge, heart love 
for God. And we, we can fall into that as people in the church. We can come here every week and we can serve. And, and, and if we're not reading the scriptures and we're not growing in our love and our knowledge to God and, and submitting to his will, then we're missing it, right? We're missing it. We don't want to fall in that, that same trap. And so here's the big idea. Following Lord Jesus requires submitting to his wisdom and authority, right? If we're going to follow him, as Lord, we're going to have to submit to his wisdom, right? He's, this scripture shows uh, how wise Jesus is as we get into this text. And it's, it's going to show us his authority. He is Lord. And the reason I refer to him as in Lord, and I don't have a whole lot of time to spend on this, but in Mark 12, 35 through 37, it's the end of this text that we're going through today. Uh, Jesus actually asks them a question, and he refers to Jesus. Uh, David, King David refers to the Messiah, the promised Savior, as he calls him the Lord. So David calls this future Messiah that would come the Lord. And so Jesus is basically is, is hinting that he is the Lord. He is the Messiah, right? He is the king that has come to, to bring in his kingdom. So Lord, following Lord Jesus requires submitting to his wisdom and authority. Jesus is Lord. All right, so let's, let's read this text and let's break it down. We're going to look at these three co confrontations, and we're going to learn th three things, three points I want to look at today. Right, Jesus, Lord Jesus is our ultimate authority. Uh, Lord Jesus is God of the living, and Lord Jesus informs who or what we love. All right, so the first one is Lord Jesus is our ultimate authority. Uh, Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 13 here. You can uh, read along, follow along, keep your Bibles open. Uh, then they sent some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to Jesus to trap him in his words. When they came, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and don't care what anyone thinks, nor do you show partiality, but teach the way of God truthfully. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why are you testing me? Bring me a denarius to look at. They brought a coin. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked them. Caesar's, they replied. Jesus told them, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar and God the things of the God that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. All right. Jesus is amazing. Uh, the wisdom of God or the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man is what the scripture says. So we see his wisdom here. Right, um, uh, so uh, so I, did I say that text that the the foolishness of God is greater than the the wisdom man? I said it right. Look at that. <laughs> I had to think twice. Did I say that right? But anyway, you see this amazing thing, right? So they they send the Pharisees and the Herodians. Now you got to know who these guys are. These are guys that are in opposition to each other, right? The Pharisees are are kind of separatists. They are, they, they uh, want to, uh, they oppose Rome. They're more of fundamentalists trying to, to hold on to the, the scripture. And the Herodians are collaborators with Rome, right? They, they are benefiting off of, of Roman rule, Roman oppression as, as Rome is ruling over Israel right now. And so they're at the opposite ends of the political spectrum of Jesus's day. And so they, they don't agree on much, but what they do agree on is they don't believe in Jesus, right? They oppose Jesus. They want Jesus dead. And so they pose this question that they're debating about, about taxes, right? This was an imperial tax uh, 
and uh, it was a, a big burden on the Jewish people, and it was a reminder of, of their subjugation to Rome. So they're trying to bring Jesus into kind of their, their political debate of the day and try to get Jesus to pick a side, right? So if Jesus says, uh, yeah, pay your taxes to Caesar, right? Now all the, the Jewish people are upset with him, right? They're going to accuse him of, of selling out to Rome, right? This is not the really a Messiah. Why, why is he trying to get us, you know, just keep us under Roman oppression, right? And then, and then if he says, no, don't pay your taxes, now he's in danger of being called an insurrectionist, right? And, and inviting kind of swift retaliation from the Romans. So, so either answer puts him in a, in a tough place. And so they're trying to trap Jesus, right? They're trying to, to get him to pick a side, get everyone divided against him, and, and then they can, they can get, get rid of him, right? Pick a side, Jesus. Are you, are you conservative or are you liberal, right? Right, left, pick a side. And Jesus' response is, is brilliant, right? They, he tells them to bring a coin. He looks at it. He asks them, whose who's inscription, whose image is on this? And they answer, right, Caesar's. Well, then he says, then give Caesar what is Caesar's and give God what is God's. Right? Jesus doesn't pick a side. Right? He doesn't pick a side because his kingdom is not of this world. Right? And, and one of the things that we can learn from this is, is Jesus, Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or a Green Party or Socialist or Communist. Right? Jesus would not fit in a political party. I, I think Jesus today would be uh, too conservative for the liberals and too liberal for the conservatives, right? I think today, uh, even today, Jesus wouldn't fit in these parties. And if we expected him to fall in line with our politics, we'd end up rejecting Jesus, right? We'd end up making the same mistake if we think he's some kind of political messiah, which is what they, what they saw him as. They thought he was going to lead a revolution and, and fight against Rome with, with military might and, and restore Israel. But God had a kingdom that was even greater than this world to bring into the world. So this means, I think for us, right, as we think about politics, I think this is an important thing to be thinking about. We're coming in election year next year, and you might already see primaries are, are going on right now, and people are starting to, to run their campaigns, and, and the temperature will begin to rise, especially as we head into next year, into next November, right? And we have to remember that we need to give, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So, so it's like you should pay your taxes, be a good citizen, obey the laws. You should, those are, you should vote. Those are all good things to do, right? Like uh, it, it's okay to pay attention to political issues, but at the same time, we have to be careful, right? The media wants to divide us. Right? The media wants to, to stir us up and look at each other like we're, we're the enemies. We're each other's enemies. They, the, the media is actually going to get, more, they're going to make more money and get more views by, by driving fear and outrage. Right? And like anyone sitting here, we're, we're not enemies. Right? No matter where we're at politically. So be, be informed. Do your best to be informed. Vote for the best flawed person you think is, is running, right? Or, or the, the least of two evils in your conscience, right? Usually it's, 
It's the least of two evils, lesser of two evils when we vote. And, but remember, you're not voting for your Lord and your Messiah, right? You're not voting for your Lord and Messiah because Jesus is our ultimate authority. So check this out, right? Whose image was on the coin? It was Caesar's, right? But whose image is on us, right? God's image is on us. We're his image bearers, right? It, every human being, you know, Genesis 1 tells us God created in his image and his likeness, which means we belong to God right? Which means you belong to God, which means that that person that, that voted differently than you belongs to God. So we have to, we have to remember our primary identity in Christ, right? And this, and the things of God are, and the things of his kingdom are greater than the things of Caesar, right? The, the earth will pass away, uh, nations rise and fall, United, you know, United States is not God's eternal kingdom. There's a greater kingdom that we're part of, and we're citizens of that kingdom, right? And so the reality is that some of us here are going to vote Republican. Some of us are going to vote Democrat, Independent. Some, maybe you won't vote at all. Maybe you'll have a protest vote and won't vote at all, right? And we're, we have to know that there's people who are faithful Christians who love Jesus and are trying to do their best to submit to his wisdom and authority in their lives that are going to vote different than you, right? And you have to respect them and love them and, and see them as more than just your political enemy, right? They're image bearers of God that belong to God, the family of Christ, uh, citizens of God's kingdom. We have to remain united. We can't, those are not things that we divide on, right? There's even stuff, theological things as a church that we don't divide on, right? There's things that we, we some people believe in, in speaking in tongues. Some people think maybe tongues have ceased, right? There's different political or uh, theological issues that we can hold open-handedly with each other and still be church family and love each other. And, and, and it's because, it, right? And so the same thing is with, with politics, right? Those are the things of Caesar, Give those things to Caesar, do them, right? But give to God what is God's, right? Your whole life belongs to God. We submit to his wisdom and authority in our life, and we live for him. He's our, right, he's our king, and he's greater than, than whatever person sits on that presidential office, all right? Second thing we're going to see is... Uh, Lord Jesus is God of the living. Let's look at this text. This is a, another very interesting question that they pose to Jesus. The Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and questioned him. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife behind but no child, that man should take up the wife and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first married a woman and dying left no offspring. The second also took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third likewise. None of the seven left offspring. Last of all, the woman died too. And in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? Since the seven had married her. Jesus spoke to them, isn't this the reason why you're mistaken? You don't know the scriptures or the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised... Having you read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. 
He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. All right, so here's Sadducees now, another religious group, another kind of religious political party, approach Jesus, and, and now they're asking him questions about the resurrection, and it says here they don't believe in the resurrection, right? So, so their goal is they think they got Jesus. We got a question that's going to trap him. We're going we're gonna to fool him now, right? And so, they, uh, so if you don't know what the resurrection is, it's, it's the end times when Jesus returns, fully brings in his kingdom, right? His, his eternal kingdom, he restores heaven and earth, his universal reign on earth, right? B brings shalom. It, it's this wonderful time when God's going to make the whole world brand new. And the dead in Christ will rise to new life, right? And, and, and those who are still living will receive resurrection bodies, perfected bodies. All of us will, will be perfected in Christ Jesus and no more sin, pain, death. And, and, but it's also a time when those who have rejected Jesus, who have not submitted to his wisdom and authority, who have rebelled against God and, and stayed hard-hearted and, 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 you know, closed their minds to God, will be cast out of the kingdom, right? They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They'll be, it'll be the, a day of judgment. So we'll rise either to judgment or rise to this eternal life in the kingdom. They're both eternal lives, right? But one is in the kingdom, one's outside of the kingdom. And so they're talking about, they don't believe in this future day. They don't believe in this future resurrection. And so they, they bring this question to try to trap him. And, and it has to do with uh, a marriage regulation in the Mosaic law called leveret marriage. So basically what, it, what would happen is, and, and if, you, if you've ever read the book of Ruth, this is what's happening with Ruth and Boaz. Uh, but if a, if a man dies and it leaves a widow, if he has a brother, younger brother, the younger brother would be expected to, to marry the woman and provide an heir. Right? This was a, a, a way in their time to protect women so that a woman wouldn't go destitute beyond her own. She'd, she'd have a, a, another male in the family would come and take care of their family member, provide an heir for, for the for the property, because at this time women could own property, so they needed to have a child, a son to pass that that property onto. And so, they're, so they're asking this question: What happens if this woman marries and, and and she gets to the resurrection, and she's got seven dudes standing in front of her, right? <laughs> I, first thing I would say is she ain't gonna be in the resurrection because she killed somebody. <laughs> she took out at least one or two of those guys. <laughs> she. I don't know what she put in their porridge or something, but that's just a joke. But, um, but right, it's a hypothetical extreme situation. Uh, and so, so they're leaving Jesus. Okay, what's Jesus going to say? Well, is it going to be the first one and all those other ones now are, are, you know, bachelors forever or what? But Jesus answers, and this might be upsetting to some of you, that there is uh, there's no marriage in the resurrection. I'm trying to find it in the text here, that there's no marriage in the resurrection, that we're going to be like angels. Now, that might be upsetting for some of you. Some of you are probably grabbing your honey. Oh, honey, no. I want to be with you forever. Right? Nothing can separate. We're going to find each other. Uh, you might be feeling it. And so it might sound like a loss that there's no marriage in, in heaven. But I, I can assure you 
And this is what takes comfort to me. I mean, that's kind of a bummer to me a little bit too. But whatever it is, it will be gain. It will be better, right? Marriage is only training wheels for what heaven will be like. So whatever it is in heaven, our relationships will be better. They'll be perfected. They'll be infinitely better. Even if you're not married to one person, it's going to be glorious. Some of you guys might be thinking like, whew, that's a relief. (laughs) But but I'm not going to touch that one. (laughs) Right? There's no marriage in heaven. Oh, well, now, right? And then he goes on to say this. He claims to be God and living. He, He reminds them of when Moses... Uh, When God spoke to Moses through the burning bush, he refers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you don't know them, these are the the like patriarchs of Israel. But he refers to them, even though they had been dead already, that they were dead for hundreds of years, he refers to them as living. Right? So therefore, everyone that, that, and, and and he refers to them as living because they are living, right? They're in the presence of God to this day in their souls, right? Their souls are with God. Absence with the, from the body is present with the Lord. So they are alive even though they don't have their bodies yet. But they will get, they will get bodies. And so God is the, the God of the living. Those who are dead are awaiting this future resurrection, this glorious time, this glorious time that gives us even a lot of hope. It gives us hope for the future, right? It's not always going to be like this. Right? We're not always going to be arguing about politics. There's not always going to be sin in the world and that we're struggling with, that we're fighting against, and this temptation that just won't let up, right? And, and, and there won't be any sickness and, and pain and no brokenness, right? God's going to bring shalom, peace over this earth. There's this great thing that we can look forward to because God is the God of the living. And so that means we... You know, that's one of the great things about getting to submit to Lord Jesus' wisdom and authority because the, the great hope that we have. But those who reject the God of the living will not be in the kingdom, right? So it's a, it's a warning for us as well. Like, we don't want to reject Jesus. We don't want to get before, stand before him and have him say, away from me. I never knew you, right? We, we want to examine our hearts. Am I submitting to the king? Am I, do I know him? Am I following him? Am, am I... Do I just not? I don't want to just have a, a head knowledge of, of some religious things. I want to know God and follow Him and believe in Him and submit to Him, right? So that I can have eternal life with Him and, and be with Him in this future day. It's going to be glorious. And, and, this is, and this is why Jesus died, right? This is the last week of Jesus' life. He is on a path towards the cross, towards the crucifixion. and and not too long, he will be resurrected. But, but Jesus came to, to, get, to live a perfect life and die uh, the death that we deserve to die. He, he came to, to restore heaven and earth. He came to provide a way for us to be reconciled to God. Right? And he was the firstborn from the dead. Right? He rose from the grave. And it's because Jesus rose from the grave that one day we will rise, right, to eternal life with God. Because he's the God of the living. He's God of the living now, and, and, and he is for all of eternity. And so I just want to keep pressing in, surrender, submit your life to God, 
Search the scriptures so that you know God, so that you know the God of the living. Not with just the, that mistake that these Sadducees made, right, where they, they knew but they didn't know. We don't want to fall into that error. Number, point number three, King Jesus informs who or what we love. Let's look at this next text, Mark 12, 28. One of the scribes approached when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. He asked them, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one else except him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbors, love your neighbor as yourself, is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question any longer. Now this is an interesting uh, move because you would think the hostility would increase. But strangely, we get this little, this really cool a moment where this scribe approaches Jesus and asks him the greatest command and actually agrees with Jesus, right? That the greatest command is, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That these are more important than the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, which is what the religious leaders were confusing, right? They were, they were confusing the, the religious works and the, and the knowledge of the works, uh, and they were thinking that was more important than knowing God, than submitting to him, than loving him, and, then be, and loving other people as well, right? That's what they were missing. And, 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 and I love this that he states that you are not far from the kingdom of God, right? If you, if you get it that, that loving God is the most important, that loving neighbors is the most important, that means you're not far from the kingdom of God, right? And he, he was on the right track, and, um, but his heart was more open to submitting to, to the wisdom and authority of God. And who knows what happened to this guy? Maybe, maybe he's, he's, he's heard of the resurrection and he ends up giving his life. I'd, I'd love to know what happened to this guy, but, but he was on the right track, understanding that love was the most important. And so Lord Jesus informs who and what we love, right? If we truly submit to the wisdom and authority, love will mark, be the mark of our lives, right? The first of all would be love for God, right? That we'll want to know him more, that we'll want to submit to him more, that we're trying to obey him, right? And, and when we, even when we fail, we repent and confess our sin and, and we remain faithful to God that we live for him, we obey him, right? John 14, 15 says, if, if you love me, you will obey my commands, right? Love will flow if you, are, if you are on the right track. Love for God and then love for your neighbor, right? And so I want to ask you, do you love your neighbor as yourself? How do you treat your neighbor, right? Are you kind? Are you seeking to be a blessing? Are you, are you going out into the world to, to know, get to know people and, and share the love of Jesus, are you maybe harboring some resentment or bitterness towards someone that maybe God's calling you to, to let go, right? Are you, are you struggling to love even your fellow believers 
right? The John, 1 John 4, 8 says, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love, right? If we're truly submitting to the wisdom and authority of, of Lord Jesus, love is going to be there. The, the scriptures say uh, we're a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal if we don't have love. Love is the most important command of all the scriptures, more important than, than how much money you give or how, how much you read, how much, uh, you know, how much you serve. It's how much do you love? Are you doing it out of a heart? Because I love God. I want to obey him, and I'm trying to love people. Now, of course, uh, none of us do this perfectly, right? We all have rough days. Oh, I get hangry sometimes and take it out on my kids, right? We, we struggle sometimes. You know, we don't sleep too much or, or we're, we're stressed out. But what is the, the pattern of your life? Right? What is the pattern? If someone was looking at your life, Right? As an observer, would they see that your life is marked by, by love? Right? Man, they love God. I can tell. Right? Uh, they, they, man, they're, they're, they're a loving person. I can tell by the way they treat me and treat others. Right? Live a life of love. So we're gonna tr- we're gonna, I want to talk about this. How do we surrender to the wisdom and authority of King Jesus? Right? How, do we, how do we really live this out and give you a couple more practical things? The first one is I want us to remember, right, that we're to give to God what belongs to God, right? We are, we are image bearers of God. We bear, right, the, the imago, we're the mago day. We, we can shine the, the, we can show the world, we get to show the world what God is like, right? When they look at how we live our lives, when we, when we love people, when we have joy, when we seek to be a peacemaker, like it, it displays something about who God is. And so th- this is kind of our value of being relentlessly outward or joyfully generous. Because if we're going to give to God what belongs to God, that means we're going to think outward. We're going to think outside of ourselves. We're going to think uh, about, you know, blessing others, serving others. Giving generously, right, to, to show our allegiance to the Lord, to show uh, that Jesus is our king. We're going to be submitting to him daily, right? And, uh, and, and, and that's what life is about, like really giving our life away for God. Like these things on earth will perish, right? Like we can get more stuff. We can get more money in our bank accounts. We can... We can accumulate more wealth and bigger houses and better cars, but all that's going to, it's not going to the kingdom with us, right? That's, that's not, that's going to fade away, right? The, that's why the scripture says, store up treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, right? And so the things that we can take with us are memories and people, right? People, people are what are more important, image bearers of God that belong to God, and and. I, I just encourage you to, to think that way. Those, that's the, I want to give my life away to be joyfully generous, to be relentlessly outward because people are what matters. Souls. God is a God of the living. And I want to encourage you then to, to live a life of love. Right? Live a life of love. And this is our value of being passionately one. Right? We want to love one another and we want to love our neighbor, right? Like God has left us on earth for a reason, 
right? God, when Jesus, when Jesus raises from the dead, he's, he, he's on earth for, for 40 days, appearing to a ton of people. And then he ascends back into heaven, and he says to his people, uh, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He tells them, you're going to be witnesses. He says, go make disciples, right? He lives us here, uh, leaves us here on earth for a purpose. Like he could have just said, all right, it's all done. Let's do the resurrection now. It's all over. But he doesn't, right? He doesn't. He leaves his people in here. He, he forms his church, and he leaves his people on earth with a mission, right? And that mission is, is, is people. That mission, is, and the, the main tool of that mission is love, to live a life of love. So I want to encourage you to, like, maybe think about how are you loving God, right? How's your life look? Are, are you just kind of going through the motions, just kind of going to church? Maybe I just read my Bible real quick just so I can check off a box to, to say I read it. But are you really pursuing hard after Jesus? I want to encourage you to, to do that, right? Make a resolution. I want to pursue hard after Jesus. What are the things that I want to add to my life that can help me have more than just a head knowledge but a heart knowledge of God, right? Whether, whether that's prayer or giving or getting in community or, or, or serving, like there's these things that, that God's given us here, these disciplines that help us draw near to him, to, to love him, to demonstrate our love for him. But I also want you to think about, about others, right? Where does God have you? Where are those places where, where you're rubbing elbows with people that don't know Jesus, right? One of my, my favorite places is I, I love to, I go to the gym and I play basketball and I know a ton of guys and we lift weights and it's, so, honestly, uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings are some of my favorite times, just hanging out with guys, getting to know them. I, I get a lot of opportunities to pray with people, invite them to church, uh, share, just sharing my life and my testimony, it, and it's a huge blessing. And I'd encourage you to find places like that where you can build relationships with people that don't know Jesus, right? Where, where's that at? Your, is that your gym? Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's taking out. Uh, uh, someone to lunch and just getting to know them. You don't have to. Here's the thing. Sometimes we feel the pressure of, like, if I'm going to share the gospel, I need to just, like, dump it all on them all at one time, right? I got, I got, only got this short lunch, so I got I to gotta tell them the whole gospel right here. But if you're seeking to live a life of love, you're going to build relationships with people, right? Like, where are those people where you're seeing them regularly? And, you know, maybe it's your neighbor, right? I'm going to invite my neighbor over dinner and get to know them better and, and, and share with them a little bit about my life, get to know their life, and, and guess what? God's going to open up opportunities. Live a life of love. Try to make that a, a normal part of your life where you're trying to reach new people and share the love of Jesus, all right? And some of them will be Christians, and, and maybe they don't have a they don't have a community where they're, where they're plugged in and you can help them get connected. Or some of those, some of, a lot of people, honestly, don't have very many friends. A lot of people live a pretty isolated life. They, they don't live in community. And you can, you can offer the love of Christ and the community of God to them. So I encourage you to do that. You know, maybe, it, maybe you want to even think about those two things, right? Man, what do I need to add or subtract? What's something that's taking away from me really pursuing after God, right? That first part, right? Loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is, man, how can I reach new people, right? Who are those people? Maybe in your head, 
You might even have people that pop into your mind. Maybe it's a neighbor, a co-worker, a, a family member, and really seek to, to reach and build, build bridges and, and love them and, and be kind to them and invite them over. I just want to encourage you guys to do that. Like that, that's what, that's what life's about, right? As we're here in the world awaiting the future resurrection, we're to live lives of love, submitting to the wisdom and authority of God. Uh, ben, can, you guys can come on up here. And, uh, you know, I just want us to, to think about, like, now what if we really lived this out, right? Even imagine together, maybe even in your mind right now, as I, I slow down a little bit, maybe you imagine. Imagine your mind, what it would look like if, if the church really began to submit to the wisdom and authority of Lord Jesus. How would we look, right? If we began to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give God what is God's, right? I can tell you that uh, as a body, we will be more united, right? Like love will unite us as the body of Christ. We won't be, uh, when everyone else is arguing and fighting and dividing over politics, we'll be uniting in love for Christ, right? As God's image bears. That's important, guys. We we got to do that. We can't be fooled and drawn into the controversies of this world. Those are, those are issues that are down here compared to kingdom issues. We have to stay united. And I think we will if, if we keep that mindset, right? I belong to God, and I'm going to give my life to him. These are my, my fellow image bearers, and I'm going to put love for them over their political opinions, right? Uh, another thing I think we would have hope in Christ and not fear, right? We would have hope that we have something greater to look forward to than an election next year, right? We have an eternal kingdom. We have resurrection to look for, right? We're, we have a world to look, a kingdom and a world to look forward to that where there'll be no sin and pain and death, right? Where, 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 where people won't be struggling with sickness and, and or, or poverty and and all the things that ail us in life, right? We won't be stressed out, dying, trying to figure out how we're going to pay our bills. We'll, 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 we'll have perfect hope. And, we'll, and if we have our hope set in the resurrection, we'll live lives of hope and not fear. And above all, I think if we can see that my, our, our, our mission on earth is in our the greatest commands are to, to love Jesus, right? To really know him. Not with just a head knowledge, but the heart knowledge relationship and then enjoy the blessings that it is it truly is a blessing to to love others and get to experience experience that it's a, it's a it's a joy you know when we take our focus off ourselves and, and can bless others you'll get to experience that i really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today you can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.